0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Vodka Clock Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Love from AmberUnmasked.com. Thank you, of, cor- of course, to all of the gracious people at Patreon.com slash Amber The perks that they get include getting uh, early access to the weekly cat detective stories. And um, my host uh, guest today is, uh, I should say, well, I feel like you're a host because you do so many shows. <laughs> <laughs> You're like all over the media empire is Erica Schultz. and um, so uh, we were just talking about the cat detectives. And Simon has been a guest. Her cat Simon ha- has guested and, and is one of our like, um, like I guess Sherlock Holmes would call them the irregulars. <laughs> yeah, <you know? laughs>
1: he is definitely an irregular. He's irregularly <laughs> shaped as well too.
0: <laughs> Simon works so hard.
1: Yes, exactly. You know the 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 whole five minutes a day of work that he actually puts in, but it's a good five minutes. It's it is good
0: five but, minutes. You know, but he's an expert on like shoes and shoe imprints, and that is an yes. important forensic job. He definitely, and that's the thing is like he can tell you
1: what laces a particular shoe has based on See. the way it feels against his
0: cheeks. Yeah. See, so that's I mean, that's
1: definitely very important.
0: It is. It's very important. Um, Gus has captured and uh, three voles in the last week, and he's killed two of them. So oh, yet- yesterday, one got away, and but it got away in a really hilarious and it like just seemed like it was an animated movie kind of way. This little critter ran into a tire, so it ran it didn't just go under the car; it actually found its way. Into the tire, and then was kind of like Gus was reaching in and like doing like a real whack a mole thing. Like, he's (laughs) so, like, there's like these five or six holes around you know the the hubcap area, and he's just like doing this whack a vole. Uh, It was so ridiculous. It's It's so funny how like
1: voles are like mice, like, slash moles, like, weird shaped creatures
0: they are they're like a. they're they have such tiny legs but they're very fat kind of like they're yeah. they're, they're substantial so it's like you know like a corgi basically yeah voles <laughs> are the corgis of of rodents exactly yeah, and they're, their their faces—they're so freaking cute. And I had been rescuing them all, every time Gus caught them, but uh, the old man of the house w- would like them killed. So I'm like, all right, fine, I will let him kill them. Yes. If he catches them. So, let him
1: let him live his his uh what his um yes. not not vicious nature, his fierce, his ferocious it, nature.
0: Exactly, it's his job. So it is his job. It's his nature and. You know, he gets to be the real Black Panther and he feels feels good about it. Now, the if you follow us on Instagram at Amber Mass, you will have seen that the um, the gnomes had a funeral for the two that were murdered. Yeah, so it's there's a lot sad. going on. Yeah, there's a lot going on here. Um, and you have a lot going on, which is w- like why you're all over the media circuit these days. I, I do have a lot going on, which is, is
1: pretty nuts. Um, yeah, uh, so basically, I mean, I've got, uh, I, I'm editing a book for Mad Cave Studios that's going to be coming out soon. I worked with uh, this great Spanish artist, Steladia, and uh, Eric Burnham was writing it. Steladia did the art. Um, and then uh, I'm putting together a uh, another book that we're actually putting on Kickstarter now called The Deadliest Bouquet, uh, which is a five issue series, and we're going to do it as one graphic novel as opposed to five individual issues. So, I guess it's like a graphic novel with five chapters, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so we're, it's basically, um, it's set in 1998, and uh, the log line is uh, three estranged sisters trained by their Nazi hunting mother uh, come together to solve their mom's murder and try not to kill each other in the process. So it's a lot of family drama. it's kind of like knives out, but even more dangerous and sexier and you know, no offense to Chris Evans, but it is pretty damn sexy <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> there's no fisherman's sweater
1: there's no fisherman's sweater um but there's uh there's a lot of knives there's uh a lot of weaponry um There's, you know, we have we have these three sisters, uh, Rose, Poppy and Violet, and they all kind of have like their own nicknames, like Wrecking Ball Rose and Punchy Poppy and Violent Violet. And um, it's funny because like Poppy is this mom who is trying to be like the perfect mom. And yet she's like the biggest brawler, like one punch knockout kind of thing. Uh, You know, Rose is kind of like the mastermind, the oldest sister um, really great with uh, firearms and martial arts and Violet is just like anything goes melee fighter cut you up um, when when I was describing the characters to Kevin Wada who did our incredible cover and if you are not familiar with Kevin Wada's work please look at kevin's work because (laughs) everything that kevin touches is gorgeous yeah um i said it's basically clueless meets singles meets law and order and he's like love it um and uh and i said you know i was trying to describe the sisters and i said violet will screw you and then screw you up big time um so but it's basically, it's a story of these three sisters who had like a very dysfunctional upbringing because their mother um, had traveled all around the world uh, uh, chasing down uh, Nazi sympathizers and uh, escaped Nazis. And um, Jasmine, their mom, really uh, really sort of trained the girls to be very suspicious. So trying to live like what, people would consider sort of air quotes, normal life really isn't something that they would ever be able to do. So, um, Poppy, who's the mom is trying her hardest to live a normal life, but when her mother dies, she's sort of getting sucked back into, um, the sort of the, the environment that caused a lot of trauma for all of them. And they all deal with their trauma in different ways. Um, and I think that's something that really happens in families, you know, the other thing is that I'm one of three and uh, there's this very interesting sort of dynamic when you're one of three kids mm-hmm. because there's like a round robin of like, you know, who you team up against, you know, so it's like always, you know, two against one. And that sort of alliance switches on a dime. And we see the, that, that dynamic between the three sisters and, um, so it's kind of like Charmed and like the the Three Sisters, but also there's no magic, and I can actually curse in this book. I couldn't curse when I was writing Charmed.
0: I, you know, that's so funny because I was like, didn't she write Charmed? Like it was. <laughs> yes. as I was I was reading the first issue. I was it was one of the things that popped in my head. It's was like, huh, didn't that have something to do with three? And <laughs> yes, the power of three will set you free.
1: Yes, um, I, and, I and did. Then-
0: they magically had a fourth come in out of nowhere, you know?
1: Well, that's, yeah, that yeah. whole thing happened because of, um, who's the actress? Uh, Shannon oh, Doherty. Shannon
0: yeah. She got cancer or something, right?
1: Well, she recently had cancer. Um, back oh. then, when the show was, was on, um, there was apparently some acrimonious situations with the producers and her, so her yeah. character was killed off. And uh, and then they brought in uh, Rose McGowan as as her replacement.
0: Yeah, and it's just odd though that like Aaron Spelling kept hiring her, and I'm like, dude, if you have problems with her on every show, why do you keep hiring her? You know, so I don't really think it's like her. I think it's him. I don't know. Yeah, it's it probably is him. I mean, it's
1: interesting how um, people have been coming out about all the situations with Joss Whedon re- uh, recently, yes. and I'm wondering if. Sort of the, you know, well, this happened on all the Aaron Spelling shows is going to be coming out, you know, sometime soon kind of thing as well. Um, because I'm, you know, they're contemporaries of each other. And you yeah. can't tell me that something's happening on one show and it's not happening on the other. Like, let's be let's, let's be real, you know. Yes. So I'm kind of wondering, like, when that ball is going to drop. Um Especially because of all the the Joss Whedon stuff, not just with the Justice League show um, uh, film, but also with uh, Buffy and Angel. Right. Um, so I'm 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 pretty sure we're gonna get you know the you know Aaron Spelling is gonna be um, trending, and we're gonna start seeing actors and actresses talk about you know improper situations on set and things like that.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, you know, a, and it was good when Supergirl like the CW shows went through a very similar shakeup Mm -hmm. and um, it it at least appeared like the people of Supergirl took it seriously yeah and and I hope a lot of it and that's the other thing is that like
1: things get so quickly you know I mean the the bandwidth for anything sort of lasting for a long period of time is like really short. So, you know, people will talk about it and the company will make a um, make a statement and the the next thing. And everybody's like, okay, it's all solved. And then it's like two years later,
0: it's like, no, nothing got solved, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, when it, it already takes like, you know, five to 10 years to get a movie, from script into theaters anyway yeah. it just it's like wow that was like such a big chunk of somebody's existence you know like yeah like if you think about it, the writer who like has literally like no power probably when they're <laughs> when they're actually like going through stuff it's like it's like wow you just like saw all your words and then the reputation just got destroyed and
1: (laughs) yeah I mean it's it's crazy it's crazy this is a hell of a business you know I I try and explain I mean the easiest way to sort of explain comics and how comics works to people is like you know being like an actor you know going for you know sending pitches is basically like going on auditions Um, and you might get a callback doesn't mean that you got the part, you know, like you send a pitch to an editor and the editor's like, yeah, I like this. I'm going to send it up the chain. So you've got one editor, but then you've got the senior editor and then the senior editor has to get it past the executive editor and the executive editor has to get it past the publisher. And it's, you know, so there's, there's these benchmarks that you hit, but you're not necessarily like, unless you get that contract. I, I, you know, and I always say like, unless I have a fully executed contract, meaning I've signed it and they've signed it, I'm not banking on this being like a thing and, um, and it's frustrating, but I mean, it's one of the things that I tell the students at the, uh, at the Kubert school, you know, this isn't an easy business. And if you are in comics to make money, there are much easier ways to make a living, like become an accountant. (laughs)
0: <laughs> or right. oh you yeah know, there's, like there's no money here <laughs>
1: yeah I mean and and I think and it's the same thing I think in Hollywood like there are a lot of working actors I mean I have several friends that are you know working actors but you know they're not you know the bajillionaires you know right. so it's it's kind of like I think you have to temper your um what your idea of success is like if your idea is that you can buy your own private island then (laughs) (laughs) good luck yeah
0: then just you know marry elon musk and inherit his money or something
1: well i mean he's apparently going to be creating jurassic park now yeah i
0: saw that so strange because that's really what we need, you know, we don't need <laughs> we don't need money to go into, you know, like housing, education, the, housing, <laughs> education, development. housing,
1: housing, no, we don't any, no. need any of
0: that. Um, no, they need a playground for rich people like the moon, you know, or Mars, wherever the hell they're going. It's like, yeah, because rich people need another playground
1: but that's when when i saw that yesterday i actually laughed because it reminded me of the story that i did with claire connolly the um winston churchill story about winston churchill recruiting dinosaurs for the war effort yeah um and i was just like it always comes back to dinosaurs you know
0: yeah uh- <laughs> well and you know because like this week uh king kong versus godzilla came out i haven't seen it yet um but I've I had a week of like treating myself to monster movies, and it's just like interesting how I can remember being scared of Godzilla when I was little, and it was like Godzilla stomping on you know this entire city, and <laughs> you know why? But now it's like oh now Godzilla's the hero, and it's like okay I yeah was Godzilla thinking. got
1: retconned really really quickly
0: yeah i was like huh he's the hero and he's gonna take down you know like the what was it they i forget the name that they called it but it was like the first kaiju they're called like
1: i think they're called titans now or something like yeah i
0: think they're titans or something but uh yeah so um i was just like oh so okay they had the it was the king of the monsters one that one was really good um
1: is that the one with mothra
0: yeah okay yeah. And I was trying to identify all of them because there's like Hidora, and Rodan and they sound like Renaissance artists. I don't know. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, for all we know, I mean, like, look, the Ninja Turtles, look at their yes, names. For true. all we know, that's the way they came up with the names. Um, You know, oh, let's see. Like, there's going to be like a Botticelli. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> That'd be great. And there won't be some skinny, wafy woman that he saves. It'll no, be nice, no she's voluptuous. nice, voluptuous woman yeah. with
1: some meat on her bones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that's who he saves. Exactly. That's that's who Botticelli saves. Oh, my God. I love it.
0: See, I watched that movie in a heartbeat. Yeah, see, now you and Claire have to, like, write that because I.
1: <laughs> Claire and I have so many of these, like, strange little ideas that we came up with that we're just going to like little by little just start, you know, weeding our way through. Um, it's funny. Cause I just got the notice that the Ringo awards uh, uh, nominations opened for today. So last year, strange tales was actually nominated for a Ringo award for best yeah. anthology. So um, I'm pretty jazzed to see, you know, who's, uh, who's going to be, uh, Uh, nominated this year um now did you work on the uh nom the uh anthology is for a wave blue world maybe someday and uh
0: okay i I worked on insider art
1: oh yes that's another one insider art could definitely be nominated um uh there you go so you know anybody can nominate you know listeners just saying insider (laughs) art uh watch you know following a cat throughout the entire house and uh helping people out during the pandemic
0: yeah how we were all basically like you know kind of quarantined indoors and and that was our outlet exactly was fun um yeah and like i have oh there goes gus if you hear me making smooching noises (laughs) gus is is producing um he's being adorable right now. And I got the, uh, the insider art fabric um, from Spoonflower. Well, actually, Mm -hmm. I just I just ordered the pillows. Like you don't even have to be able to sew you can just order the like, I ordered the pillows and the pillowcases. And it's like, yay, I didn't have to actually make this.
1: (laughs) Now, let me ask you a question about because because you are a seamstress, you are a cosplayer. I've seen some of the fabulous work that you've done uh, on your Instagram. Thanks. When it comes to making patterns, I've seen people like create images and then send them somewhere to get fabric made.
0: hmm That's that, a thing, right? That is a thing. Um, okay. That's usually like when you see, it's almost always a a, a spidey character that mm-hmm. I've seen, that I've personally seen. So like the spider Gwen outfit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so that's usually a dye sublimation where um, then when you get it printed on the, the fabric, you, you know, the spandex, um, you're basically just cutting it out, matching the seams up, you know, match, matching the lines up and, mm-hmm. and just sewing it. Um, which is cool because, it you know if you have that kind of ability it's you know they do all the shading so it looks like you have ripped abs and stuff <laughs> you know i mean you know it shows like the the quadricep shading and and all that stuff so a lot of the spidey suits are done that way
1: okay and i think i might have seen a couple of De- um deadpool ones too
0: yeah probably yeah, I mean, that,
1: there's uh, Deadpool's just everywhere. I always tease Fabian true. about yeah. that because you know
0: it is. It's like, and that's it's one of the things. I, you know, there's certain things I miss about conventions and certain things I don't. And it's like I don't miss seeing all of the 800 Jokers and the Deadpools. Yes, <laughs> like, the roving, the roving
1: Deadpools. Oh my God.
0: Yeah, because um, the those people don't break character ever. Yeah, I know. It's like, oh just my God, just a little you know. weird. It's like, I just, you know, you want me to take your picture. Okay, cool. Let's take a picture. You don't have to keep it up.
1: Yeah. You don't have to scream how how much you love tacos in my ear. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> I mean, everybody does like, so what?
1: <laughs> that's, I mean, that's an interesting thing that we've been talking about, like doing conventions and stuff. I mean, this year really has been kind of rough in terms of, you know, promotions of comics and things like that. And that's why I think social media has been something that a lot of people have been leaning on. Um, because there's no conventions to be like, hey, I've got this new book coming out. It's always just like, you know, an Instagram post or a Twitter post or whatever. Because, you know, there's no face to face. What's your, uh, what's your thoughts on, you know, conventions? I mean, I, I've made sort of a broad statement that that now that I'm vaccinated, um, like a good little puppy. Um, I, I kind of, I I don't regret saying it. Like I'm kind of like leaning into it, but what's your thought about like things like big conventions, like New York that is still apparently going forward in, uh, in October.
0: I think you'll still see surges. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not as, as strong. As, like, with tw- the 2020 surges like, every time there was some sort of event, like, you know, uh, you know, this sports thing or, yeah, um, Christmas and Thanksgiving, there were always spikes after it. I think there, there will be less, but what's happening now is, you know, as people predict, the, um, you know we got it really hard in jersey new, in new york because mm-hmm. of the cruise lines yeah but and you know and the airports so yeah. we you know we're like the veterans of this situation now and now it's going towards the west it's going up to canada and they they didn't learn like they they did not they simply did not believe us how bad yeah. it was so Now that they're getting it, it's like, okay, so we're still going to see all those numbers. We're just going to see them in different states.
1: Yeah. And I think that that's, I mean, I would love to be able to, with confidence, to go to a convention.
0: Yeah. And if you're talking about, you know, out-of-state people, I mean, I don't know. Because, first of all, they're not getting as many doses out Mm -hmm. there because they weren't the the highest affected yet. Mm -hmm. So... Um, like even in New Jersey, like I had to register, I still don't have mine. Um, you know, so I, th- I think it's just going to be a while till there's some normality. I know even in Jersey, they're, people are holding conventions. They're trying to socially distance and, um, you know, but at the same time, there's, there's transactions to be made. Like you said, you know, the whole point is to go, meet interesting people check out their books and buy their stuff so that can't be socially distanced really
1: yeah and the other thing is that like like you said i mean a, a show like new york is not just new york, new york comic-con it's international yeah it and really ta- is
0: yeah so you're talking about i mean people from all over and as it was the you know one of the biggest draws of a huge Comic-Con like that is the celebrities. And now they might already be vaccinated. Um, Yeah. They get to, they get to jump the line. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure they get some sort of, you know, perk. Um, But there, there was so much close contact. I mean, literally just walking from one section to the other that it, you know, it would bottleneck. It's nothing but bumping into people. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, so you can, they would have to limit the tickets to like one quarter of what they used to sell. Yeah. And there, I don't, I don't think they'd be able to do that and still pay for the space.
1: Especially a big place like Chavitz, you know? Yeah.
0: That's what I mean. It's like, I mean, it's different. Like if, if it was just like okay, we're going to lower the numbers, so we're only going to use one room. It's like no, because you're still then keeping the density. Um, if you know what we need is the same amount of room with less people. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, and they're they're still going to have it. I mean, San Diego, I guess, got bumped back, so they're just hoping that people, more people, are vaccinated. And I you just... know, there's there's a light at the end of the tunnel somewhere.
1: I also don't know if people are going to go to San Diego for Thanksgiving. I mean,
0: that's weird. That is kind of weird
1: for me. Um,
0: Although it's a great reason to avoid your family. Yeah, I know. You know,
1: (laughs) I I mean, it's such a terrible thing to say. And I'm so glad my mom doesn't listen to podcasts. But I genuinely like the one like major like takeaway that I've had from COVID is, you know what? I don't have to worry about seeing my family or seeing my in-laws. I have a perfect excuse.
0: Yeah, I know. That's that's what I've been going through too. And I'm like, I'm like, so uh, because they people tend to just like surprise be there, you know? Yeah. And and I'm just like, uh huh. So nobody was told that all of these people were going to be there. So I just don't go. I'm like yeah. because I know there's going to be surprise people there.
1: Yeah. And the surprise people sometimes aren't going to be respectful of masks and things
0: like that. No, like, of course not. Cause they're, I mean, I don't know why I'm like uh, such an outlier of the family that everybody else is like, you know, Trumpers.
1: <laughs> I, I don't, I don't even get it. I mean, I've, we've been teaching in person at the Hubert School since September. So, I mean, three days a week, I mask up and go to school. And, I've actually it's been funny because some of the students have really been taking it as a way of self-expression like they're they're like getting their making their own masks, like, yeah, that's or, what I was doing, yeah or like getting their characters, you because know, a lot of the students are also cosplayers, so they'll like get their characters like made as a fabric and, and make a mask and things like that, and really sort of like getting into it that way. and I'm like, good, enjoy it because you know. I said, look, this is a great way to start um, learning how to draw how people express themselves through their eyes.
0: Mm -hmm. It absolutely is. And plus, when you when you make your own or if you know somebody who can make make them better than um, I got to say, like Redbubble. Yeah, they have like thousands and thousands of adorable um, pictures but I got a mask from there and it's a terrible fit it just absolutely does mm. not fit at all so um the ones that are homemade fit me so much better and it's like, is the place know, yeah either Etsy or because or that's what I did I went to Etsy for a pattern um and then sewed my own so I used like the the insider art fabric mm-hmm. um for one, I, you know, I use some branded fabric for another so that, I, you know, if I do get to go teach a yoga class, I'm like, hey, I'm like being real sly here since I gained 20 pounds and none of my actual like branded, you know, shirts fit anymore. I'm like, I'm going to make a branded mask. Um, and, you know, and it, it it's hard doing something that physical. I was just talking with one of the, you know, another teacher this morning and, that kind of physical work is very hard because you're talking and talking and talking and sweating. Yeah. Now teaching. um, You've got it way
1: harder than I do. I just have to sit behind a desk or sometimes get up and talk. You are like physically moving and stuff. So yeah.
0: Yeah. So that was the difference. So I'm like, it might be a lot easier if you're just, you know, sitting and chilling Um, because like when, you know, if I do a meditation or something, it's totally fine. Um, but I was asked to model and, uh, last week and I was like, I was like, okay, well, let me, my schedule was like iffy and I ended up having a, an important phone call with an editor instead. So, so I didn't do the modeling, but the, the situation is sort of, um, because the people with their easels are so far away anyway. Mm -hmm. it was like model's choice, whether you want to wear it or not. Um, Because I mean, it's indoors, but it's in this enormous space. That's like an old gymnasium. So Mm -hmm. um, even though it's like partitioned off for just for safety, um, you know, it would have been like, okay, like, yeah, you're breathing the same air, but you're breathing the same air in a huge room, Um, so I, it probably would have been fine and to take it off, but I, you know, it was just that, that particular day I was like, "Mm, I can't make it. (laughs) I mean, I think,
1: I think there's so much we've, we've sort of reconsidered, Mm -hmm. you know, we've reconsidered, I mean, even when you think about like how books are getting made you know, how comics are getting made. Um, So many more comics are going to crowdfunding like the, you know, us taking Deadliest Bouquet to crowdfunding. Um, So many more books are going that way. Um, And so many more publishers, I think, are sort of um, picking and choosing a little more about what they're putting out there. Well, there's and I a get lot,
0: it. yeah. There's a lot to dissect there, and this is a yeah. great conversation if it, you know if you're willing to take this deep dive. Since Diamond Distribution has yes. lost, they've been losing major clients, and they're they've lost their monopoly on comic distribution. Yeah. Um. So we're talking like big heavy hitters here: the the DC, the Marvel, I think Image. Um, or yeah. one of the other ones, either Image or Dark Horse. I don't remember which one. Um, but it's, you know, so the the comic uh, publisher to consumer pipeline is very, very different. Um, yes. And I, lo- I mean, I love that creators can go directly to their fans. But it does make a big difference when... like to me crowdfunding is still like a great indie market you know to me it was like meant for indie people and then when you see like the celebrities of whichever industry coming on there and it's like okay (laughs) yeah thank you yeah
1: (laughs) I'll say it I mean I I do not begrudge Keanu Reeves but Let's be honest.
0: Yeah. Like, he didn't come need on. Kickstarter. <laughs>
1: yeah. You didn't need Kickstarter for Berserker, buddy. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. Like I know he gives away a lot of money. So, yes. um, you know, but still, I like Archie Comics has tried to do Kickstarters and um, I think they, they shut theirs down after feedback. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's how I, I have some issue with that, you know, like. When people are are and I mean even a friend of mine i well the last episode um Jim Demonicus was on, and uh he's making a movie about Mike Mcnola, a mm-hmm. documentary and you know they set their their goal very low as you know this is what we can do to put out something they ended yeah. up with a half a million dollars. <laughs> So they have been able to expand a tremendous amount of content, you know, bonus content. Yeah. Yeah. So like they're interviewing like Doug Jones and Neil Gaiman, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so they have able to, because of that money, they're able to fly around or whatever and and secure these incredible interviews. Um, And then that way, and they're doing it as a DVD. So... There will be digital download, but there's... But they are planning on the DVD package being like, you know, extra bonus, fanciness, mm-hmm. whatever, like people do with the de- deluxe books, you know. Yeah, like,
1: exactly. Exactly. Like the prestige edition kind of thing.
0: Yeah. The the Snyder cut, uh, which apparently needed to also be black and white now. I don't know. Oh there's that, there's uh, eight eight versions of a shitty movie apparently exist. I don't know.
1: You know what? I <laughs> I the one thing that I did get behind was release the Zemo cut. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, Daniel Bruhl, I mean, I wouldn't kick the man out of bed for eating crackers to begin with, but (laughs) everybody was saying that he steals the show. And I have not watched today's episode yet because we're recording this on a Friday. Uh, I have not watched today's episode yet. Um, I have made no bones about my love for Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan in the past.
0: Uh, Seriously, yeah.
1: But Daniel Bruhl is just, there's something so like deliciously cuddly and dangerous about him
0: yeah so we yeah i haven't seen it that, that's some weekend watching for us too so it's um yeah that's i i mean that i don't know how that came from kickstarter but Sorry, um,
1: sorry. It was the it was the release the, the Snyder cut the, but, the, the Snyder
0: cut. cut. Yeah, yeah. That was that's it.
1: What, that was the segue.
0: We could come. That was the back. segue. Don't worry. No, of course not. <laughs> of course not. My, <laughs> it's you know we talk about cats usually half the time, and and we kept that it minimum. We kept it at a minimum. So I'm that is impressed. true.
1: So there had to be some weird segues in there, of
0: course. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and we could talk about Sebastian Stan all day. So, um. Now, when it comes to speaking of Kickstarter though, um, Deadliest Bouquet, you're going that route again. And so, this is not your first time with this, you know, direct to consumer. Um, no, it's not. We did,
1: we did do a Kickstarter for Strangest Tale for Strange Tales with which was the anthology with uh Claire Connolly. Um, it was the combination of the uh. Winston Churchill story, we had the story called Cheese, and then a new story called Eve the Immortal Lobster. And we had actually uh, recruited Gab Contreras, uh, Liana Kangas, and Matt Emmons to color everything because previously the other stories were black and white. So this is my second Kickstarter. It does not make it any less uh, nerve wracking um, because, you know, one of the great things about Kickstarter is sort of the democratization of it one of the scary things about Kickstarter is that a lot of people are doing Kickstarters. And, you know, as with everything, you're sort of, you know, hoping to get the attention of someone to be like, yes, I want to pledge money to make this book happen. Um, We already have the first issue complete um, and uh, the first chapter rather. And so we're moving forward with this book. Um, the, The hope is that this is almost like being used as sort of a pre-order, you know, like as we're moving forward with this book, you can sort of use the Kickstarter as a pre-order, not only to just get the book, but to get these like great extras. We've got this fabulous um, journal that you can get with the Kevin Wada cover on it. We've got pins, we've got prints, uh, we've got all kinds of, you know, rewards sort of for every budget kind of thing. Um, And I mean, I'm even kicking in some other work that I've done. We've got a tier that's sort of a blind box where, you know, you get the book, but then you also get, uh, you know, uh, a a number one issue that I wrote for, you know, another company. So whether it's like Charmed or Xena or M3 or, you know, 12 Devils or whatever, you know, a whole bunch of like other kinds of stuff. Um, So, I mean, the thing with Kickstarter, though, is that it's like unrelenting, like, you have to consistently be like living your Kickstarter for, you know, not just the 30 or 35 days that your Kickstarter is going to happen. Ours is going to launch on May 11th, but also like the run up to it. And I know that there's so many people that are so sick of seeing those like skull emojis that I've been putting out there, but you know, you gotta, you gotta do it. Um, And, you know, we're, we're excited about it. James Emmett, who is the fantastic editor who I'm working with, um, we're excited because James has a lot of uh, experience doing Kickstarters with I am Hexed. Uh, he's worked with four Five One and um, other uh, multiple other companies. so I, i've I've put a lot of faith in in him and his strategies and everything. Um also I mean we've got a great team carolla Borelli and Gab Contreras uh yes, are doing it's the art
0: so gorgeous it's I mean like drool-worthy gorgeous
1: Yeah I mean we we really I've been so lucky when it comes to getting artists to work with me and to tolerate me <laughs> um, <laughs> I really have been so lucky and and I you know I I can't I can't be be thankful enough Um, but we really are hoping that, that people sort of look at this and is like, it's, it's a, not just a a good crime story. It's not just a good murder mystery, but there's so much depth with these sisters and who they are and who the, who they're trying to be. And, um, you know, the, the nineties were for, for those of us who lived through the (laughs) nineties, not, not everyone has lived through the nineties yet. True. Uh, for those of us who lived through the 90s, there was a real, it was it was a real moment, you know, between the music, also, like, this is happening in 1998, and something that I brought up um, talking to a friend of mine, and um, she was like, oh, man, I didn't even think about that, was Y2K was a thing. Like, people don't remember that Y2K <laughs> really was a thing, and yeah. there was a And there was this kind of, like, eeriness of, like, okay, 1998. Like like an apocalypse, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, we didn't know literally what was going to happen January, you know, midnight. Um, And so there was, like, a weird kind of, like, creepiness, kind of eeriness uh, that I try to, you know, put in there a little bit. Um, It's not, like, overt, but there is sort of this, this idea of like, well, the, the, the clock is ticking. And, yeah. Uh, and
0: like, we didn't have that clock for the pandemic, you know, it yeah, was just exactly. like, just an apocalypse. Target was empty. There was no traffic.
1: <laughs> exactly. Was, you know, no
0: toilet paper, no toilet paper to be found. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, that's what we, what we were expecting. That back then, people were building bunkers like they had time. That yes, was where the like the real prepper thing really took, took off. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. People I remember people were like buying like these um, decommissioned silos, like yes. silos, and turning yep. them into homes. Yep. Some crazy people like moving out to like Oklahoma or Kansas or whatever, and like digging you know sixty digging. foot holes in the ground.
0: Yep and oh it, my god it it was a weird it was a weird time um and i love you know because one of the great things uh you know like i said you you pick the the most incredible teams for each story you know like they fit so yes. well and i was just marveling at the clothing yes
1: and that's another thing about the 90s is the fashion is a very specific kind of thing. you know um, I, I put together like a huge Pinterest board for Corolla and Gab and you know for each character kind of had their um, you know sort of their TV counterpart or their filmed counterpart, so, you know, Violet was very similar to, I don't know if you remember the movie Poison Ivy with Drew Barrymore and yeah. Sarah Gilbert, you know, Violet sort of had that aesthetic, but also the, um, the, the basically like Doc Martens with, you know, a crop top and a mini skirt and, you know, beat up Doc Martens kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, you had like the mom jeans, you know, Poppy's got like the mom jeans and the clothes and then, you know, Rose has got like the flannels, you know, um, it really like the the fashion had of the time was very, very specific. I think, you know, like I said, I think the 90s was a real moment and um, Carolla and Gab are just capturing that. And and especially, I mean, Kevin's cover definitely captures that. Um, this idea of like, um, you know, it's like pop meets grunge, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, you know, Saved by the Bell, but like a lot rougher, <laughs> you know. But everybody knows Saved by the Bell. I mean, right?
0: True, true, and yeah. So the the fashion, and it's funny that you said mom jeans because that was like. The thing that went through my head as I was looking, I was like, mom jeans. I'm like, oh, I hate that high-waisted shit. (laughs) I'm like somebody who's short with no torso. So it's like, you know, it goes boobs, hips. Like there's nothing in between. And it's like that high-waisted, high-waisted jeans. No, they don't work. The high-waisted mom jeans. Exactly. But like
1: the irony of that character is that, you know, you look at her and she's like, you know, the mom, but at the same time, she's the one who's wrapping her, her, you know, fists and going, you know, hard on the heavy bag. Right. You know? Um. So, so there's like a real duality to each one of these characters because as, you know, Poppy sort of looks you know trying to presents herself as like the 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 perfect mom she's got this roughness to her rose presents herself as you know always having her her shit together but you know she's got her own insecurities and the the irony of it is that you have violet who looks like nothing bothers her because everything sort of anything goes but deep down you know she has her own issues with like you know, where she fits in this, uh, in this family, you know, she always felt like the black sheep, but where does she fit? Like, do I fit, you know, kind of thing. So each one of these sisters has a duality to them. And, you know, they're not just fighting society, they're not just fighting their family members, they're fighting their own, um, who they want to be, who they're presenting themselves to be, but also who they are. And I think that, you know, we explore all of that. So, yes, there is this murder mystery and everything. And there's sort of cat and mouse stuff going on. But a lot of the meat of the story is really the exploration of these characters. And, you know, what it really means to be part of a family, you know, Violet's uh idea of like, you know, piss off kind of thing, like, I'm out of here kind of thing. You know, I I can write this family off in a heartbeat. At the same time, Violet's the one that has a tattoo on her arm of a Violet, a Poppy and a Rose. So, you know, she really did not care about her family. Do you think that she would put that on herself? Like, do you think that that would be, you know, something that she would, should would have on herself? No, she really does care for her family but she has to sort of maintain this, this really rough exterior to protect herself. Yeah.
0: And, and it's Rose that ended up staying home, right? Yeah. Rose, Rose took over the flower shop. And Um, Rose was the responsible one.
1: And, you know, and, and being the oldest, I mean, there's expectations being the oldest, you know, that kind of thing. Um, So, so there's, there's a lot of that interplay. Um, There are a lot of scenes where there are these sort of very personal conversations between these siblings that can get really fiery. And sometimes, you know, family is the the biggest fights that you have with family are usually like the knockdown, drag out. People say things that they regret kind of fights. And it's because you know them so well that you know exactly what's going to hurt them. And if you're feeling hurt yourself, you're gonna lash out. And some of these arguments between, as I'm, you know, dialoguing these, these, uh, these, you know, scripts and this, the arguments between these, these sisters, it's this idea of like, oh, you know, would you just shut up? You're not as smart as you think you are, or you know, you think you know everything because you went to college, or you know, you think you know everything because you're the oldest, or whatever. And it's, it's really this sort of resentment, but, you know, uh, search for validation between each other. And now that their mother passed away, the only person they have left is each other. You know?
0: And it's so, um, like, psychologically interesting in, in why we do that and why we allow that. It's one of the greatest things that's helped me with Twitter, especially when it comes to holidays like thanksgiving Mm -hmm. people are people are like you know you don't have to put up with your you know trump loving relatives like you have usually some control whether to to attend or if you need to go out of an obligation and you go you can uh, you know avoid the conversations um And it's just like, sometimes you just got to cut the toxic people out. And that's something that Twitter, at least the people I follow, they talk about a lot because it's all about, you know, family of choice. Mm -hmm. And then when somebody dies, like in this case of the Hawthorns, we're talking about their mom, you know, somebody dies, you are kind of forced to all come back together because yeah. it's like suddenly there's a state shit and didn't, or you know a murder, um, <laughs> you know. So it's like even if it's even if it's not murder and it's just uh, like okay now we need to go through all this stuff and sell a house and plan a funeral. It's like, um, you know, it's like uh, y- you need you need your support system that's going to get you through that and. Um, you know, a lot of times that's not family, (laughs) That's, you know,
1: at the uh, same time, a lot of times you have a legal obligation to, you do,
0: you do, you just have, you know, you have to do it. Um, it, and it's, you know, it was the, the times that we've lived in, it seems like every day there's somebody else has an announcement of death of the family member on Twitter. And, um, you know, you're running this through Kickstarter and a friend of mine did his and um, he, he's at the he's in the production stage and his mom had been really, really sick. So he was like going to school full time, working a job full time, has a kid, getting married and his mom's been sick and then his mom died. And at the same time and he's run he ran a Kickstarter and it was just like, dude, maybe you need a vacation. Yeah. <laughs> like that's a lot you know 2020 was not kind so it's it's so much that's the
1: thing is like there's there's a certain level of camaraderie I think that we should take out of 2020 and the pandemic Mm -hmm. because this idea of everybody's going through it now yes everyone has a different level of shit that they're going through but everybody's going through something and you know i think that we should take that as a as a sense of like solidarity versus like well you know the shit i went through is worse than the shit that you went through kind of thing like everybody you know the 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 there's no upside to a global pandemic but yeah. but if you were to think of an upside, that would be the idea of everybody's going through something. Um, And I would hope that that would sort of expand compassion and empathy. Um, I'm not entirely sure that's actually (laughs) happened, but I am trying to be hopeful. Maybe maybe that's what I've taken out of 2020 and the pandemic, this idea of trying to be more openly hopeful.
0: I we'll felt see. like they forgot by January. That's the thing. Yeah. Like yeah. we we went from the stress of uh, uh, well the stress of of so much being unknown, like this the yeah. that whole fear um to okay, now we know and we know it affects everybody differently and you know just try to avoid this that and the other thing and always wash your hands. And we went from that it, immediately into an insurrection. Like, yeah. what the fuck happened here? Exactly. And then um, there's
1: the, the sort of aftermath of all that insanity.
0: Yeah. And it's like, oh, we're just supposed to go back to normal? Yeah. I, you know, the the want to go back
1: to normal is, is understandable. At the same time, you, there, there's no normal first of all, normal, you know, air quotes, normal was never really normal. True. Um, so I think it's a matter of like the devil you know? Yeah. Um, so we're all just sort of trying to, to, to create a new routine, like some, some new groove that we can get into. Um, and it feels like kind of the, the, the rugs being pulled out. But I think, you know, I think that we, especially in this area, like you said before, I mean, because we were hit so hard and fast early, for the most part, hopefully, I mean, I've seen people being very compliant and and really just, you know, okay, we gotta wear your mask, do this, do that. So I'm really hoping that that continues. And and I'm hoping that sort of wisdom uh, gets passed on to other parts of the country (laughs) with luck. you know, uh, but I'll take the excuse not to have to go to family gatherings for as long as I can. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Instead I'll just write about, you know, toxic family gatherings. Um you in, know for this In story. the comics.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing. I did so much more writing. Um, but that's because none of my jobs reopened. So yeah. um in the same way. I I mean, I, I'm able to like sub once in a while, but that's it, otherwise, nobody's on a full schedule, and yeah one one of them you know closed us out completely. It's just like, yeah, so so I did get more writing done, so like you were trying to remember the y two k type of mentality, you know sometimes I just have a hard time doing that, especially writing teen characters because being a teen today is nothing at all like when we were teens, yeah, exactly. So, like very, very different. I've been, you know, I was really blessed. I I used Readsie, which is a website to find people to, you know, to hire and work with. Mm -hmm. And I, so I, I found an editor who, who clicked, like she got me and I was just like, we're going to be great. And, um, like just, is this for fair weathers? No, this is for um a witch story, okay, so uh you know speaking of the trump administration it's a very not <laughs> even not even remotely metaphoric um there's just it happens to be magic in witches um like the the policies everything it's very transparently the trump administration and um so like trying to think of how teenagers are they seem so much smarter. And some like about stuff today and I'm like I don't remember giving a shit about anything but like you know when my paper was due or what my grade what what my grade was we didn't have the internet so we weren't connected to to anything you know for journalism classes we had to have like we had to get magazine subscriptions so like we had to get like time and newsweek and you know it's that's how
1: we studied for journalism. <laughs> and there was this thing called a library and yes. <laughs> a, a Encyclopedia Britannica and uh, yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. So, um yeah, you gathered around sometimes to watch, uh, you know, live coverage of something major and um, it's now everything's just different. So I'm like, like, how you know and like stem is so emphasized it's like you know i i i can't think like the way the teenagers need to think today so because the
1: environment's different
0: yeah so it's like having you know having an editor or somebody Mm -hmm. at least to go to like if you're if you have friends who have kids a lot of times that's helpful too you know yeah. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll send a little message off to Natalie and be like, hey, what the heck are your kids like? <laughs> <laughs> and that I mean, I
1: I consistently I mean, you've worked as an editor as well. Like I've consistently said to people, you need to get an editor because as a creator, you are so close to the work that you a lot of times you have blind spots. And an editor really is the the one to sort of help navigate those blind spots. Um, James Emmett has been phenomenal. Um, I've, I've worked with a lot of terrific editors. Um, I would suggest you, I would suggest James, I would suggest uh, Danny Lohr, um, a lot of great editors out there. Um, one thing that I would say is that, you know, I know a lot of people want to do everything themselves and I mm-hmm. get that, but a good editor really is going to get the best story out of you. Um, And I think that it's it's really it's a good way to just put your best foot forward, especially if you're sort of um, just waiting your way into uh, into creating, whether it's comics or, you know, like you're writing novels, too, and things like that. Um, I think it's a great way to to really also navigate the um, the just the scene, because editors are going to have a lot more experience with like What's going to work? What isn't going to work? You know, is this a book that you do on Kickstarter? Is this a book that you, um, you know, do, that you publish through like um, like a Kindle kind of thing? You know, like they'll have more information just in general, um, and I think that's important. You know, a lot of people want to be solitary and, and and do you know the work themselves, and that's fine. But I always think that you know getting that second opinion um, really helps the the story in general. Um, cause it really helps bring out like the best in you as a creator.
0: So when you were plotting out the mystery, um, yes. what's your process? Do you work from the end and then go back or do you, are you uh, like more linear about it? Well, well,
1: I have like a, a very complicated process. It's probably overcomplicated, but <laughs> but what I do is um I I plot out a like basically a timeline for the story. And and this original story was originally written as three different story arcs. It was originally written as like a fifteen issues. Um because this family, it doesn't just it's not just these three sisters. This family has like a very long history of um you know, dealing with assassinations and things like that. So the first story arc was basically um, the sisters' grandparents, Jasmine's parents, who were part of the French Resistance in World War II, and uh, you know how they met, uh, and it was sort of a historical drama. And then the second story dealt with Jasmine directly, and um, and her you know growing up basically all around the world, training with her parents and sort of, you know, being brought into this life of, you know, hunting down Nazis all over hell and creation. Um, And that story ended with her sort of leaving that life and going to the United States. And then the third story was this one of, um, of the sisters and everything and and seeing sort of where Jasmine landed. Um, I had, Several false starts on this story in general. And one of the, again, what a great editor can do is sort of find the through line. So I had sent James um, a million, you know, uh, text documents with uh, a bunch of false starts. And he said, okay, the best way to do this in one story arc, um, because, you know, you should always sort of think about it, well, this is the only story arc I'm going to get to tell. You know, if if you get to do more, then that's great. That's gravy. But what are you going to be able to tell in this one, you know, in this one chunk? So we hint at, you know, Jasmine's past and we talk about it and we see bits and pieces of it, but we don't delve into it. Um, And it was really, you know, because I had had this whole sort of timeline, all these events happening uh, written out. I'm able to sort of pick and choose. Yes, we're living in 1998 in this story, but we're jumping back to 1956. We're jumping back even farther. We're jumping back to 1942 at one point, you know, and even within 1998, we're sort of time hopping uh, back and forth um, just to, to show and really flesh out the fact that this is a much broader story. Um, And, you know, with luck, we'll be able to actually explore more of that. I mean, if we're successful with this particular Kickstarter, maybe we'll be able to go back and explore the other story arcs that we thought, you know, that were originally written. And maybe we can turn around and maybe do a spinoff. You know, I I would always joke that, you know, Violet could always get her own spinoff, The Violent Violet you know, (laughs) um, I, you know, I mean, James and I have a call later today. And one of the things that I was thinking of is if, if this Kickstarter, you know, goddess willing, you know, blows up, maybe one of the things is, you know, another, uh, stretch goal is maybe we do a short story that just focuses on one of the sisters, you know, um, as, as sort of like an, 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 extra. So that's something that we could think about doing. Um, There really, there is a lot of world that we can explore, but one of the other things that that, um, I liked about setting it in the nineties is that nowadays things are so convenient. Like we literally are walking around with a computer in our pockets. And back then you didn't have that. Like very few people had cell phones. And when you did have a cell phone, you were counting your minutes.
0: Exactly. So, So it was literally just for emergency.
1: Exactly. And the idea of being able to just pick up a phone and make a call or look something up on the internet, I think that that's sometimes ruins mysteries now when you're writing mysteries nowadays that's how I feel
0: yeah I was just like okay we can get every answer like everywhere like oh I'm lost well let me open up the map like you don't have to worry about the you know who's chasing you through the woods if you can find your way with like all trails you know exactly (laughs) you know or or, I mean the worst
1: thing is oh I don't have a signal you know that's the worst thing you have whereas in the 90s like it took months to get things done it took months even years to solve murders like you weren't getting your dna tests back like that like it took a really long time for this it's, stuff yeah. to come through you
0: exactly. know um, and like and, even fingerprints like you know now they exactly. just like stick your stick your finger on a scanner and it's like oh it's back already you know tv yeah. style they they
1: didn't have that back then and i think that that's kind of important to sort of to exploit in this story. Um, And I think that it makes it lets the story breathe a bit, as opposed to having to have this sort of constant, you know, constant plot moments. It it allows the sisters to take a breather because you have to wait. You have to wait for test results. You have to wait for ballistics tests. You have to wait for this. Um, And it, it forces them to sort of live in the moment which is exactly what they don't want to do they don't want to be home in that big old victorian house with you know faded wallpaper they don't want to be forced to be with each other but you have to and that you know helps um helps intensify the conflict intensify the tension um so even though you have this murder which in and of itself has its own sort of tension and conflict you also have this conflict between these these three people that will kill for each other and will die for each other but might end up killing each other <laughs> you know
0: <laughs> uh, well w- and when it's um you know since we're doing this on Kickstarter and we're talking about you know it's a fam you know a family story um your last project was forgotten home and that was that was a comicsology original wasn't it Yes. Okay. So what's the plan for this? Um, This will be a,
1: um, the current plan is that um, we will have this, uh, we will have digital as well as uh, uh, physical rewards, Mm -hmm. but um, I wouldn't want to let this go out for digital for a year. I would want the Kickstarter backers to have, you know, exclusive access to it digitally for a year. And then I would do it uh, via comiXology. So we're planning for the book to be completely done for um, December, January, and then a year from that. So let's say we get it everything done December, you know, Goddess Welling will be able to then turn around and the following December, put it out on comiXology for a wider release. Again, That is the current plan. But Um, that could change. (laughs) That could change. Um, You know, one of the interesting things about Kickstarter is that publishers have actually been looking at Kickstarter and picking up books from Kickstarter. So if a publisher turns around and says, oh, we want to pick this up, then obviously things are going to change. But at this particular moment, that's the plan. Um, That's what we did with uh, Strange Tales, where we did not release it digitally. Uh, on Kickstarter for uh, a little over a year because we wanted to make sure that uh, the people who backed it, who who you know, put the time and effort into backing it, uh, got sort of exclusive access to it, um, and you could still buy it on our from both mine and Claire's websites, and you could buy it from us at conventions when we still had conventions. Um, But for for digital access, we wanted to make sure that that our backers uh, had that sort of, you know, exclusivity for for a good year.
0: Cool. Um, Well, I know I've loved the seeing the promo icons coming out. Like you said, people are probably sick of them, but I but I think they're really cool that like, you know, each sister has her own like, you know, icon of a skull with something else. Yeah. Yeah. So. And that's
1: really, that's really definitive of who each sister is. Yeah. You know, so we have like rose in the yellow rose color with the guns and you have Poppy in the red with the the brass knuckles and you have Violet in the purple with the, the cross knives. Um, Kevin Maher originally uh, designed the logo and Kevin and I have known each other. Oh my God, it's probably close to 30 years uh, we went to college together. Um, he's a phenomenal graphic designer. Like he's worked for major companies and and done like catalog design and stuff. And I really uh, I, I love working with him. He he also designed the Forgotten Home logo as well, along with that uh, that flame. Um, and so working with him, and again, 1998 is something that you know we were in college together in 1998. <laughs> um, so it was it was great uh, to work with him again. So what I did was like, I looked at really his palette and sort of started riffing off the aesthetic. And I created those, um, I call them tokens, basically, these little sort of icons, skull icons. And I sent them over to him just to be like, hey, what do you think of this? You know, as a a designer, as the designer of this logo, what do you think? And he's like, I love it, I think it's great. I think it like sticks with the branding. So, yeah, so he was, you know, he was uh, endorsed it for lack of a better term. Um, And I and I really I mean, when I like when I collaborate with people, I really like to get their opinion. I want to know what they think. I want to know how they feel about things. Um, You know, one of the things that I think some people get a little miffed about in terms of comics is, you know, is there like a, quote, boss, you know, especially when you're doing indie comics? And my whole thing is like, look, you're you're hiring an artist or you're hiring a writer because you respect their work and you respect what they can bring to the project. So, you know, ask them questions, listen to what they have to say and and really take into account what they're bringing to the project. So, you know, yeah. I wouldn't just, you know, I mean, I could have turned around and been like, oh, by the way, Kevin, I'm going to do something on my own and not even you know bring it to your attention. But first of all, I mean, he's he's been a friend of mine for, you know, 20 plus years. And second of all, like professionally, I totally respect his his design sense and everything. Um, so I, I'm going to go to him at just as a peer, but also as a professional, you know, and I think that that's really important. Um, comics is a collaboration. Um, and I think that, you know, there there's some acrimony with, with some creators left and right. And you know that's their own personal thing, and I don't want to get into any you know particular hubbubs. But the idea is like you know you're, you're working with someone because they're bringing something to the table, so respect that. Also, like talk to them about it. Don't just, you're not ordering somebody around. Like nobody's your employee. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know I, I with Marika uh, Marika Cresta on uh, Forgotten Home. I mean there were there were things that Marika brought to that book that I didn't even think of, you know, there were, uh, there were, you know, little, these little bits that, that she put in that were like such important moments that were not even anywhere near the script. Same thing with Carola. I mean, there's, you saw the first issue, there's a moment where Poppy is literally grabbing her daughter away from her two sisters and the character of Rose is still holding the little girl's hand. And that seems like such an innocuous thing. But to me, that means a lot. That is a moment. You know, that little bit of the oldest sister being physically, the, the, the niece being physically pulled away from the oldest sister and her still holding on.
0: Yeah, like, yay! it's nice to meet you. And that, you know, the kids had one expectation, they didn't realize what they were getting into.
1: Exactly. The kids and and with kids, I mean, their whole thing is like, who are these people? I don't remember them. Yeah, you know, I I may have seen you when I was a baby, but I don't remember you. And, and especially at that age, you know, like one of one of the characters is five, the other one is two, this idea of finally being able to to start communicating. And, um, and sort of picking up on subtle hints. And that's something that that happens throughout the book is the kids start picking up on these little subtle hints of like, you know, why is mommy angry? Mommy's never angry.
0: You know, like, Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, they're smarter than you think. (laughs)
1: Exactly. Like, like, who's this lady that mommy never introduced me to? Oh, that's your Auntie Violet oh, your auntie violets a little weird.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, Auntie violet is like, you know, she looks like a celebrity, like, you know. Yeah,
1: you know, so so there are these, there are these moments, these visual moments, these visual cues that, you know, really are, uh, you know, sort of just pass you by. But when I'm looking at the art, I'm like, whoa, that moment really, really touches me. And that also accentuates, even in the slightest way, the dynamic between these sisters, and 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 pretty much the whole dynamic and the theme of the book as a whole.
0: It's it's wonderful. So um, the Kickstarter's launching in May.
1: May eleventh is when the Kickstarter launches. Um, we do have a uh, a preview page that you can um, the pre launch page. You can go and you can follow the pre launch page. So when you uh, when it does launch, you'll get an email saying, "Hey, it's launched." You know. We've got uh we have at least one early bird tier. Uh so you know, if people want to get in early, uh to to get the extra added bonus of this uh cool poppy pin, uh, you know, skull and cross not skull and crossbones, skull and brass knuckles pin. <laughs> um uh definitely. Um, but yeah, I mean we're we're pushing the pre-launch page and 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 hoping that uh that people get really excited about it. We're excited about it.
0: So on Twitter, it's at Deadly underscore Bouquet. Yes. And, um, and the, the easiest thing to do is as you scroll through that, you can find all the creators' um, Twitter handles yes. as well.
1: Um, Carola Borelli, Gab Contreras, uh, Kevin Wada, and uh, James Emmett.
0: Yes, which I, until you said it, I always thought was Bennett.
1: <laughs> you, oh, you want to know why? Because it, it's James B. Emmett. That's yeah. why. <laughs> yes. But, but it actually, it, it is James Emmett, it, it, but, but yes, the B I think uh, always, always kind of confuses people. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, and James actually just finished a Kickstarter for a great project called I am hexed. Yeah, So you can check that out too. Um, and uh, I think they might have, uh, I, I know the Kickstarter ended, but they might have like a backer kit. So if you missed out on the Kickstarter, you can still get in. On, uh, on checking stuff out, and we're going to have um, Elaine Grace is doing a gorgeous print uh, for the story, which is going to be one of the the Kickstarter rewards, and um, we're we're really excited about that. Um, I I've seen several works in progress of it, and just every draft that I see, I'm just more and more excited about this. Um, and I, I even uh, told James, I said, when when the print is done, like I'm gonna get it like blown up and made it like really nice and big and frame it and like put it in my office because it's nice. badass. Um, so yeah, I mean, and if we hit stretch goals, I mean, I already have a list of artists I want to work with to do like new prints and think, you know, maybe even variant covers. I mean, we, we, again, I mean, I'm putting the cart before the horse. I totally know that. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, dream big, you know, go big or go yes. home kind of thing. But
0: no, of um, course you're going to celebrate your, you know, your stuff.
1: So yeah, so we're, we're really excited about that. Um but yeah, May 11th is when we launch and, uh, go to the pre-launch page, go to Kickstarter and you can just throw in Erica Schultz, my name, and it'll come up and, uh, you can, uh, follow it on, uh, on Kickstarter. And then, Hey, with any luck, uh, May, May 11th hits and, uh, and we hit our goal pretty soon, pretty quick.
0: That's great. Um, so anything else, any other like websites or something you want, you need people to know? (sighs)
1: Um the only other site that I would say is um if you follow schultzrights.com, which is my website uh I have you know on my homepage I have like updates and things like that um and uh we are on Instagram as well it's uh the deadliest bouquet comic on Instagram um and I would definitely suggest following Carola and Gab and Matt and especially Kevin Wada Kevin does a thirsty Thursday uh, every week uh <laughs> that is really really nice to look at <laughs> <laughs> and it does and it is a thirsty Thursday for everyone no matter what you no matter what you like there will be something there
0: that's so, awesome
1: yes Kevin is is and I'm I really am very happy to uh to I was intimidated reaching out to Kevin Wada about doing a cover um but incredible to work with incredible creator uh, really just a really all around fantastic person. So I really hope that uh, that I can work with him again on something.
0: You know, it was gorgeous, gorgeous cover for sure. Yeah. And like yeah. I said, the inside, the interiors are just great. Um, so everybody keep your eyes out for the launch for the deadliest bouquet. Um, Erica is always chock full of uh, good pro tips and other things and she teaches at cubert school so follow her on twitter um and did anything else before we go no that's about it cool well the cat is staring at me so he, <laughs> Uh-oh. he clearly needs his walk so i better get changed into adventure clothes and take him out to go hunting
1: well, um, you enjoy that. And I hope that he part of me hopes that he does catch the vole and the other part of me hopes that he doesn't.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so thank you for being here. Um, thank you for for those of you listening. Um, don't forget, you can go to com slash Amber Unmasked to help fund all of my stories and the podcast. And, um, you know, keeps gus in his favorite treatos so (laughs) (laughs) he loves his pure bites and they're not cheap so um so thank you everybody and thank you for having me you're welcome